welcome to another installment of the GW Reg Studies podcast. I'm Nate Thompson at the GW Regulatory Studies Center. We're talking today about efforts to broaden public engagement in the federal regulatory process. This is an action plan being coordinated by OIRA, the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs. Joining me today is Steve Bala, Professor of Political Science at George Washington University and co-director of the Reg Studies Center. Steve's research focuses on stakeholder participation in the development of regulations in the U.S. and in China. We also have Sarah Hay with us. Sarah is a policy analyst at the center. Her research interests include public participation and equity in the regulatory process and urban policy. Now, Sarah, we're talking about the broadening um, engagement led by the OIRA agency, and you had noted that Efforts announced recently are building on actions that um, were taken right back at the beginning of, in, in 2021. Tell us about the earlier groundwork behind this initiative. Absolutely, thank you, Nate. So on the first day of his administration, President Biden introduced Executive Order 13985 titled Advancing Racial Equity and Support for Underserved Communities. This fulfills some of his campaign promises regarding racial equity and acknowledges that disparities in American laws and public policies have systematically disadvantaged our underserved communities in this country. And so the Biden administration has directed the federal government to establish an ambitious whole of government equity agenda. And his emphasis is on how the public will have access to policies and programs available from the federal government as well as increasing access for contracting opportunities for people from underserved communities. And just last month, the Biden administration filed another executive order, 14091, called Further Advancing Racial Equity and Support for Underserved Communities through the federal government, expanding on the initiatives he started on his first day in the administration. And he, at this point, has guided the federal agencies to establish equity teams within the agency and to embed equity in government-wide processes overall. And this shows the administration's commitment to equity, increasing it across the board in all aspects of the federal government. And Steve, what kinds of engagement efforts has OIRA been taking and what learnings have they shared so far? Yeah, this is really interesting, Nate, because as Sarah pointed out, you know, this is a as the Biden administration's initial executive order states, this is a quote, ambitious whole of government equity agenda. I think it's really important to emphasize that both the ambitious element, this is really a remarkable um, change in the status quo, a change in emphasis, if you will, and it's a whole of government approach. And so what that means for us here, we're interested as at the Regulatory Studies Center in the rulemaking process in economic analysis in that process and so forth. And so one question for us is, well, what are the implications of the Biden administration's equity agenda for that little piece of government that we especially focus on at the RSC? And so when we digged into this, we found that OIRA, the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs, this is um, located in the White House, in the executive office of the president, and is charged with reviewing agency proposed rules and other actions emanating from you know, agencies as diverse as the EPA, the SEC, the Department of Transportation. Uh, you know, OIRA is charged with reviewing their efforts. And so OIRA is like the 
central clearinghouse, if you will, of the administration's regulatory efforts. And so it's appropriate that OIRA then has its own uh, contribution uh, to the equity agenda, which here is focusing on public engagement. So a key aspect of the rulemaking process, or, or one key aspect, is the engagement or the involvement of the public in the making of regulations. And historically, the notion is whether that engagement comes through the submission of written comments on proposed rules or, or whatever that might be, uh, that uh, there tend to be regular players. There tend to be um, you know, interests and organizations and individuals who are represented in that, pro in that process as a matter of course. Um, and on the other side of that coin, there tend to be um, communities that might not be participating, might not be involved. And so uh, the Biden administration is particularly focused on uh, underserved communities as it defines them, you know, communities sharing particular characteristics, particular geographic areas. And the question then becomes, okay, what should an effort specifically oriented around equity and public engagement look like? And so that's what OIRA has been uh, working on uh, for the last couple, well, for the last couple of years, and it's really ramped up in the last few months. There, um, and so what we're focusing on right now is OIRA has recently pushed out three recommendations about um, you know, broadening public engagement in the regulatory process. And uh, one is just to help the public, again, especially underserved communities, uh, help the public understand the regulatory process and like why there's public engagement in this process and you know how one gets involved in that process. A second um, is to enhance the accessibility, the usability of regulatory documents. So proposed rules, for example, are often very long documents that have a lot of highly complicated specialized language. And so to what extent, and um, this is really OIRA's challenge, to what extent um, can that language, um, can those documents be summarized through plain language summaries, multiple formats, you know, using not just text, but graphics, videos. And then finally, the third recommendation uh, after helping the public understand and, and you know, making documents more accessible. The third piece of this is broadening the engagement itself. So now that the public knows about the opportunity to comment and understands what it's being asked to comment on, um, like, can the actual involvement process itself be broadened? And so that might mean not just through written comments, the archetypal way in which individuals and organizations are involved, but uh, through videos, through other formats and mediums. And then not only, again, the archetypal public involvement is commenting on a proposed rule, but agencies are working on their regulations long before and long after proposed rules go out for public comment. So are there opportunities for the public to be involved more systematically at earlier and later stages? And so it's a pretty broad effort on the part of OIRA. Uh, yeah, the multiple formats seems really promising for usability, Steve, and and that seems like a way to get beyond the status quo to get some better constructed um, input from from the public. And now, Sarah, of course, this kind of work is going to take a lot of outreach. Um, what kind of engagement opportunities are we seeing 
OIRA offer and 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 what stands out to you most about the learnings that they've collected so far? Definitely, yeah. So as Steve said, OIRA has been ramping up this engagement process for the past couple months. And in the fall, they had public engagement sessions and they were also accepting written feedback submissions as they were developing these recommendations. And those have been incorporated into the recommendations we're discussing today. Um, and OIRA is still providing those opportunities for folks like us and for everybody to comment on these recommendations through a virtual listening session coming up next week on March 7th and accepting written feedback until March 10th. And this keeps in line with the recommendations that they're proposing. They're accepting written feedback as well as audio and visual or video feedback. And overall, we think these recommendations are really promising for beginning engagement in the regulatory process. Um, they each tackle different aspects of the process from the beginning of what do people know about regulation and how can we educate them on their role in the process through the end of having the public involved in developing the recommendations with the agencies. This lowers the barriers to entry for interested groups and individuals and is a really promising start um, and implementing all of these recommendations together would have the potential to increase engagement across the federal rulemaking process, which is a very exciting possibility. And, and Steve, uh, among the recommendations, you had pointed out one potential pitfall. Uh, what is it that could lead participants to be less than satisfied with these engagements? Yeah, thanks, Dave. And, and Sarah and I recently posted a commentary to the regulatory studies website. And I hope that'll be linked um, to this podcast. I'm sure it will be. And then out of that commentary where we sort of thought systematically about you know, what we like about these recommendations and where there might be more work that OIRA could do going forward. And that's, I think, how we want to pitch it. Like that we're not, we don't really have criticism per se of OIRA's work on this issue, but we think that given where they where they're at right now, there are some additional steps they could take. And so we took advantage of the opportunity to uh, take our commentary and our systematic thinking about this issue and submit a public comment to OIRA as part of the process that Sarah was just talking about. And so one concern that we have, and I should put it this way, that we don't think it's yet been adequately emphasized by, by OIRA in the process, um, has to stem, it stems from the fact that what ultimately is the regulatory process? Well, ultimately, it's a process that is created by statute and subject to judicial review. So there are laws that delegate authority to agencies to do particular tasks, and those tasks are reviewable uh, in the courts. And so this is a you know, statutory judicial process, if you will, a legal administrative process. And Given those constraints, like agencies don't operate like in a carte blanche kind of way to make policy, right? They're, they're, they are limited uh, by the, the legal environment, the administrative environment within which they operate. And so what that means is that all of the inputs that come into the, the process, to the regulatory process, also are governed by those same constraints. And so what that means in terms of public participation in the process is that oftentimes feedback from the public is most useful when it speaks to 
the issues that the agency has been charged to uh, has been charged to make policy on and in, in that maybe help agencies address any potential judicial challenges that might arise down the line. And so, you know, agencies are often charged with making economic policy. So comments that that speak to the economic issues at hand are often quite useful to agencies or agencies are addressing issues that have scientific components that underlying scientific information might be specifically, it might be particularly relevant. So any kind of technical information that speaks directly to the task that agencies have been charged with addressing is, is usually seen as quite useful. Contrast that with information that articulates a preference. I like this proposed rule. I'm not so keen on this proposed rule and says nothing else. That really is just a statement of directional preference. Um, that kind of information oftentimes is not as valuable. It's not to say that personal stories and what we might call situated knowledge isn't relevant or powerful in the process. It's just that it might not speak to the specific task that the agency has been charged with. And we know it's often said rulemaking is not a plebiscite. It's not a vote counting exercise. And so why should we care about that? Why does it matter, the, the specific nature of, or the content, the substance of the participation? Well, there's the danger that if a wireless effort here is successful and that new stakeholders, new communities who haven't previously been engaged or even aware, engaged with or even aware of the process, if they now begin to participate in the process and you know what their contribution is, is I actually don't like this rule you know, for this particular reason. Um, and that reason maybe has to do with a personal experience that might not be relevant in the broader you know, statutory judicial environment, then those participants could potentially be disillusioned. That is, wait a minute, I now took the time to read the materials, to learn about this process, contributed my opinion, and then I find out that the agency's ultimate decision is directly in contravention of that. And it's a decision I don't like. And so that has the potential to diminish trust in the process. Uh, and ultimately it could demobilize uh, these new communities, which is exactly the opposite of OIRA's intent here. So, so that's a potential danger that's lurking in this process, I think. Yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. In, in any participatory process, there's going to be outcomes that uh, didn't go the way that you wanted to. But the important thing is making sure that the input is actionable and relevant and that it's collected at the right time. And that can help the agency move on its goals. Yeah, maybe. I, and I can jump back in, Nate, and then and Sarah, too. You know, we have a couple of, since OIRA has three recommendations, we kind of have, um, in our comments, we have some ideas about what steps OIRA can take going forward to lessen the likelihood of this disillusionment and disillusionment and demobilization that we might be worried about. So I'll, I'll take the first one. Like if you think about OIRA's first recommendation, disseminate accessible materials, or like that, that's, that's one of their key recommendations. And so in our view is, as part of that process of disseminating accessible materials, OIRA really ought to, and agencies really ought to state, what can the public 
expect to, uh, you know, what can they expect as a result of their increased engagement, right? So like, like front and center, these materials should emphasize the most votes doesn't necessarily win. That's not what this process is about. Um, and so our expectation is that those materials, th those kinds of warnings, if you will, or caveats, if you will, they'll be part of this information, but we think they really need to be highlighted so that no one misses them and, and then later on regrets missing that information because they find out, oh, this didn't turn out the way I thought it might. And Sarah, other thoughts about like, what OIRA could do going forward? Yeah, for sure. I think in addition to all of the wonderful ideas that Steve was talking about, it's important for OIRA to emphasize and really highlight those judicial constraints that they face. OIRA is bound by numerous executive orders and guidance from the Office of Management and Budget on what they are supposed to consider as they are developing these rules and regulations. And so it's important for them to highlight that, like, we appreciate your feedback, but we also need to consider it alongside data and expert opinions and facts. And so if you have something to contribute that is more of the technical nature, that's great. And that is what the agency is looking for as it's continuing to develop its rules and regulations relations. And OIRA and the federal agencies are the experts in the process. And so it's their responsibility to communicate what constraints they're facing, because that's just not something that the general public has much knowledge about on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, and if I could jump in on that point, Sarah, what we're not saying is that organizations and individuals who want to go to an agency and state a directional preference. We're not saying that they shouldn't. Like that's one of the nice features of the rulemaking process in the democratic political system is that anyone with someone to say can say it. And so we want to encourage anyone who has something to say to say it. But we just want to, we want to like measure expectations given the constraints that agencies operate under. And so this is like a really tough problem you know, that the administration's trying to solve, I think in its equity agenda in general, but specifically in this OIRA engagement process is how, how does a government broaden participation in its policymaking processes and other endeavors without then letting down the very communities that it's trying to serve? And so we think it's a hard problem. And again, we don't want to discourage participation in any way, shape or form, but we do think that it's incumbent upon OIRA and the agencies uh, to uh, make this sort of information uh, part of their outreach process. And I think the question that OIRA can ask as it moves forward in this process is, to what end are we encouraging further public engagement? Do we want the public engaged just for the value of engagement itself? Or how do we plan to get the public engaged and help them know what agencies need so that their engagement can be most effective as these rules and regulations are promulgated. Have you guys thought about any of the metrics that might be important in this effort for OIRA? Are these kind of internal that they might only use for themselves or are there actual quantitative things in addition to the qualitative kind of um, evaluations that they would look at? I don't know that in OIRA's recommendations there are yet specific quantifiable kind of metrics, right? Um, if, if you look through OIRA's recommendations, it's to develop accessible materials, to use plain language, uh, to conduct outreach. And so the recommendations, I think, are at that level. But I do think that 
Sarah makes an interesting point. And in in, if you think about public engagement, there are some natural metrics. They might be good metrics. They might be bad metrics. One simple metric is the number of comments submitted in response to a proposed rule. You could imagine a scenario where as a result of you know, outreach and education that the number of comments increases, um, but, it, but it might not increase in a, in a manner that contributes legal, scientific, technical substance, economic you know, information to the docket. So that, inform that new information, those extra comments might not be relevant for the agency's decision-making process at hand. That then begs a deeper question, and now we'll start to get really far afield from the initiative itself, but I think is like the underlying, what is the underlying purpose of participation in the regulatory process? One way to view of it, I, I, I think it actually has, there's two distinct reasons, um, and I'd be interested to see what you all think about this. I think one is the value of participation itself. We live in a democracy and anyone with someone to say in a regulatory process ought to have the right to say it. Uh, another rationale for participation is to help inform decision makers about elements of a of the problem they're trying to solve that they might not have thought about or produce a new way of thinking about. And so I think that's a very different kind of rationale. And I think both of them are present and exist in a kind of awkward tension in the regulatory process. Because on the one hand, we ought to encourage participation um, as an end in and of itself in a, in a democratic polity. But on the other hand, we do want to recognize the constraints that agencies are operating under and the needs that they have or what, what types of information they need given those constraints. And so, again, I think that's part of why this is a tough problem for the Biden administration and for OIRA is that we have both of these principles at work in participation in the regulatory process. Yeah, and I think something that Steve's comments made me think about is that these initiatives are grounded in the um, equity initiative that the Biden administration is undertaking. And so historically, the groups that have been most involved in rulemaking are industry stakeholders, people with that technical knowledge, which oftentimes are very different from the groups of underserved communities that these initiatives are trying to address. And so, like Steve said, this is a very tricky problem to solve. And it's how do we get um, how do we engage these underserved communities in this process that has historically been highly technical and has, some could argue, been kept out of the reach of underserved communities? And so how do we make it a more fair and just process for people to be involved with? I think it's very encouraging to see the administration widening the aperture and, and incorporating some of those equitable considerations into, into the outreach that's being done. And and it's interesting to hear you guys doing the thinking that goes into this um, to anticipate some of the the pitfalls and and to think through what is becoming an, a whole of government effort. I think the value that uh, studying this kind of effort can be shown through the comments that you've that you've shared today through and through the comments that you submitted to OIRA's process. I know we're very much looking forward to seeing the learnings that OIRA has to share after gathering this kind of input. Yeah, and we'll definitely be following this process, Sarah and I will be, and, and you know, keenly watching what 
OIRA does going forward, because we do think there's a lot of promise in these in, the, in this initiative, um, but like we've been talking about, also some some unanticipated, perhaps unanticipated consequences that could follow out of this um, if it's not implemented in in particular ways. So this has been a look at the broadening engagement efforts of the Biden administration and efforts to advance equity. Um, Stephen Bala and Sarah Hay, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on, on these developments. And of course, we encourage listeners to go to the website and to read the entire commentary that was posted and, and, and the public interest comments that they shared. And you will find that at go.gwu.edu slash regstudies and click on publications. Thank you, uh, Steve and Sarah, for your time today. And, and thanks, everyone, for joining us. I hope you, we will see you again very soon on the next Reg Studies podcast. Thanks, Nate. Cool. Thanks, Nate.